before you're seated. Turn your neighbor and ask, have you started your Christmas shopping? Go. All right. All right, you may be seated. I know this is going to shock and surprise you this morning, but there are many people who wait, especially men, until the last few days and even hours to do their Christmas shopping. You will see us out there over the next couple of days if that also includes you. Some interesting statistics from the National Retail Federation in regards to Christmas. The top gift for girls this year is a Barbie. The top gift for boys this year is Lego. The top three Christmas gifts that are expected to be given throughout the Christmas season are, are they include clothes and gift cards and toys. $27.5 billion is expected to be given as Christmas gifts on gift cards this Christmas season. $27.5 billion. The average gift on a gift card comes out to right around $50 per gift card. Greg Laurie, a prominent pastor and author, said this, the real message of Christmas is not the gifts we give to each other. Rather, it is a reminder of the gift that God has given to each of us. It is the only gift that truly keeps on giving. God is the ultimate gift giver. There has never been and there never will be a better giver than God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Now, whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son Jesus to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. For God so loved the world that he gave. Say that with me out loud. For God so loved the world that he gave. No matter how often we hear sermons about the birth of Jesus, no matter how often we read about the birth of Jesus, no matter how often we sing about the birth of Jesus, no matter how often we talk about the birth of Jesus, no matter how often we think about the birth of Jesus, the story of the birth of Jesus always blesses us, encourages us, and reminds us of God's crazy, amazing, overwhelming love for us. The motivation behind the manger is God's love. The meaning of the manger is God's love. The message from the manger is God's love. And we're going to look at that message once again this morning. Open your Bibles with me to Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 1. The story of the birth of Jesus never gets old. It gets better and better every time we read it, every time we study it. One of the reasons why is there are so many amazing aspects to the story of the birth of Jesus. God sending his son, our savior, Jesus, to earth to take on flesh, to rescue us from our sins, and to reconcile us to God by his perfect life, death, burial, and resurrection is at the top of the amazing list. The fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy in the birth of Jesus is also on the amazing list. 
Matthew wrote in Matthew chapter 1, in verses 22 and 23, Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son. They will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. The birth of Jesus fulfilled the words of the prophet Isaiah hundreds and hundreds of years before it happened. We see in Matthew chapter 2 and verses 5 and 6, Matthew wrote, In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet, In you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. The birth of Jesus also fulfilled the prophecy spoken, these words spoken by the prophet Micah about the birthplace of Jesus being in Bethlehem hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before it happened. The silence of Zechariah, the husband of Elizabeth, Elizabeth the relative of Mary, is also on the amazing list. In Luke chapter 1, we are introduced to Zechariah. Luke told us that Zechariah was a righteous priest. He was married to Elizabeth. Elizabeth was a relative of Mary, and they were childless, and they were well along in years. And I love how Luke writes throughout his gospel, especially here. Luke said that they were well along in years. That's another way of saying they were old, but a much better way of saying that. They were well along in years, so dignified. Well along in years. And so we know when the angel Gabriel came to Zechariah as he was serving as priest in the temple area, the angel told Zechariah, Zechariah, God has heard your prayers and he is going to answer your prayers and Elizabeth, your wife, is going to become pregnant and she will give birth to a son. You will name him John. He will go before the Lord, making the way for the Lord Jesus. When Zechariah heard these words from the angel Gabriel, he didn't believe him. He did not believe him. Luke chapter 1 and verses 19 and 20, the angel answered him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Now, we don't know for sure, but it is possible that the silencing of their husband may be the dream of many pregnant ladies. We don't know for sure if this was all a blessing or a burden for Elizabeth, but we know, I think we can well imagine, for Zechariah, these nine months were a time of reflection, a time of spiritual growth, a time of maturity, as the words of God through Gabriel was fulfilled in Zechariah's life and in Elizabeth's life. And so we know and understand there are many amazing aspects to the story of the birth of Jesus. There are many extraordinary facts about the birth of Jesus. The reason is because our God is an extraordinary God. Amen? He's an extraordinary God. Another example that we see is the faith of Mary. 
The faith of Mary in this passage is also on the amazing list. As followers of Jesus Christ, we know that we are called to live by faith in Jesus. As John told us in 1 John chapter 2, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus walked. He leads, we follow. As followers of Jesus Christ, we also know as we live by faith in Jesus, we know that it's impossible for us to please God apart from faith in God. The writer of Hebrews told us, without faith it's impossible to please God because the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Thankfully, God empowers us to walk by faith in him as we depend on him and surrender to him day by day. We also know as we follow the Lord each day that people who live out their faith in God encourage us to live out our faith in God. We see encouraged examples in God's word. We see encouraging examples in our relationships and our lives today of those around us. Mary is one of these examples. Mary's faith in God, detailed for us here in this amazing passage, encourages us today in many different ways to live out our faith in God. So we're going to look in this passage, Luke chapter one, I'm going to begin in verse 26. As we dive into this amazing story once again this morning, let me just remind each of us that God is the hero in this story, not Mary. God is a hero in every passage of Scripture. And so we jump in in verse 26. Luke is writing these words. And Luke wrote, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Let's stop there. We see in the sixth month, Luke gave us a timestamp here for clarification. In the sixth month, that was a reference to the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the wife of Zechariah. Elizabeth was six months along in her pregnancy. Remember, Elizabeth was the wife of Zechariah, and Luke told us that uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah were childless, and uh, they were thought to be too old to conceive a child at this point in time, and yet we see in this passage, and we'll continue to see this, that Elizabeth was actually in the sixth month of her pregnancy. We continue and see that Mary was a virgin who was engaged, betrothed, pledged to Joseph. Joseph was a young man out of the house of David. And so we see in verse, continuing in verse 28, an angel came near and said to her, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And let's take a moment and look at this passage here. We see that Gabriel came to Mary and he said, greetings, favored woman. Greetings is actually a present imperative. It's a command for Mary to obey. It was a command from God through Gabriel for Mary. Mary is to obey. Greetings literally means be glad, Mary. Rejoice, Mary. 
And so Gabriel comes to Mary, appears to Mary, and he says, be glad, Mary. Rejoice, Mary. And Luke tells us that Mary was deeply troubled by this statement. She was deeply troubled by this statement. So Gabriel comes to her, the angel of the Lord, and he says, greetings, favored woman. And Mary was deeply troubled by the statement. Deeply troubled means she was confused. She was disturbed. Uh, She was stirred up. She was agitated by this statement. Now, I want you to notice something. We see that Zechariah was terrified by what he saw in Gabriel, the angel of the Lord, in verse 12. Look at verse 12, chapter 1. When Zechariah saw him, that being the angel of the Lord, who appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of incense, in verse 11, that's Gabriel. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. When Zechariah what? When he saw him. He was terrified. He was overcome by fear, by seeing Gabriel. Now in verse 29, Mary was troubled by what she heard from Gabriel. Zechariah was terrified by what he saw. Mary was troubled by what she heard as it relates to Gabriel. And Luke tells us, but she was deeply troubled by the statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Wondering means that she was going over and over in her mind. Even at that very moment, as everything was unfolding very quickly, Mary was deeply troubled. She was confused. She was disturbed. She was stirred up. She wasn't sure what's, what this means, what the statement means. And she was wondering. She was running it back over and over in her mind. What could this mean for me? What does this mean? I don't understand this. What does this mean? She was wondering, playing it over and over again, trying to understand. Because she didn't understand this greeting at this point from Gabriel. Gabriel, the angel, looked, saw understood and so he immediately reassured Mary and he said there is no reason to be afraid do not be afraid so Mary there's no reason for you to be afraid and then he told Mary the reason why she could be glad the reason why she could rejoice is because she was highly favored she had found favor with God Mary was a recipient of the amazing grace and kindness of God Gabriel's message to Mary was simply this, God is with you, and God has a great plan for you, Mary. And I've been sent to share this news with you. Mary, you can be glad. You can rejoice. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be disturbed. You don't have to be confused. You can rejoice and be glad because you have found favor with God. You have received the amazing grace and kindness of God. And so we too, as followers of Jesus Christ, understand this reality. We are recipients of the amazing grace and kindness of God. We know God is with us by the presence and power of his Holy Spirit in us. And we know God has a plan for us. And we know God is at work in us. And so we can relate and understand with Mary, we have every reason as followers of Jesus Christ to be glad and rejoice because of the amazing grace, favor, and kindness of God in our lives and on us in Christ Jesus. And so we see, Luke continues, verse 31, now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. 
we see here, Gabriel was very clear with Mary, with the message that God had for Mary. Gabriel got right to it. He said, you don't have to be afraid. You're highly favored. God's grace, kindness is on you, Mary. You can rejoice. You can be glad. And then he shared, you will conceive. Mary, you're going to conceive, and you will become pregnant, and you will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus. Jesus will be great. Your son will be great. Your son will be called the son of the most high, which means your son will be God's son. He is the descendant of David through you, Mary, that will reign forever. Gabriel said, Mary, you can be glad, you can rejoice, you are going to give birth to the Son of God. Can you even imagine? Can you even imagine? What must have been going through her mind? I love the Word of God. It speaks to each of us in different ways. Without question, I think the ladies can understand this passage, can have a deeper understanding of the meaning of this passage in ways that we as men can. Without question, I believe the Holy Spirit of God speaks to our sisters in Christ in an amazing way through these words because of the blessing of childbirth that God gives to them. And so we see these words. Luke continues in verse 34. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? Great question. Logical question. Since Mary was a virgin, it was the obvious question. This question from Mary was not a question of denial, of doubt, of debate, of disbelief. Mary believed Gabriel. Mary believed the words of God through Gabriel, his angel. Mary just didn't know how it could happen since she was a virgin. An obvious good question. Verse 35, the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. An amazing answer from Gabriel. An answer that demanded faith from Mary. Mary, your conception, your pregnancy, and the birth of Jesus will be accomplished by, will be the result of the power of the Holy Spirit of God who will come upon you, who will overshadow you. It will not be the result of intimate relations between you and Joseph. The incarnation of Jesus is the perfect union of humanity and divinity. It's the perfect union of humanity and divinity. Jesus took on flesh. Jesus became human. He took on flesh. He was born of Mary. He came to us. He took on flesh like us to rescue us from our sins. Jesus was fully God and fully man. But we also know Jesus is divine. He's the Son of God. Jesus did not inherit a sin nature from Adam like we do because Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus is the holy, the perfect, the righteous, the sinless, spotless Son of God. I love what Dr. Bob Utley, 
author and professor and Bible scholar said about this passage. He said, God became human to deal with human sin. In Jesus, God's justice and God's grace meet in a redemptive, loving, sacrificial climax. And so we see Jesus took on flesh and he came to earth to rescue us from our sins. Jesus lived a perfect life. He was tempted as we are, yet he never sinned. Jesus died a perfect death on the cross of Calvary. Jesus was buried in the tomb. On the third day, Jesus rose again, victorious over sin and death for you and for me. Jesus opened the way for us to receive forgiveness of sins, which is the exact thing that separates us from God. Jesus opened the way for us to not only receive forgiveness of sins, but to enter into a relationship with God by his completed work on the cross of Calvary. We know God the Father by faith in God the Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? We know God the Father by faith in his Son, by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. What a glorious truth for us within this amazing story of the birth of Jesus, which has so many other ramifications for you and for me. So we continue in verse 36. And consider your relative Elizabeth, Gabriel continued, even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless, for nothing will be impossible with God. So Gabriel here gives Mary some more reassurance. As he's sharing with Mary God's plan for her and how that plan is going to work out, he also offers some reassurance to Mary, and he shares with Mary, Mary wants you to also know that not only is God going to bless you in this way, but God has blessed your relative Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, who was thought to be too old to conceive, has actually conceived, and she is in her sixth month of pregnancy. Again, Gabriel sharing with Mary the fulfillment of his initial statement, greetings, favored woman, be glad, rejoice. And then he begins to share all the reasons why she could be glad and she could rejoice. These reasons include she could be glad and rejoice that her relative Elizabeth who was childless, was actually now in the sixth month of her pregnancy. She could rejoice and be glad because she would have known as a relative of Elizabeth, as Luke shared with us earlier in chapter 1, how Zechariah and Elizabeth had prayed and prayed and prayed. And so we know and understand that she would have rejoiced in God's plan for Elizabeth as well as herself. And what Gabriel's main point was simply this, and we see the main point in verse 37. Gabriel's main point that he wanted Mary to understand was real simple. For nothing will be impossible with God. Say that with me out loud. For nothing will be impossible with God. God's plan is best for us. We may not always understand it. We may not always like it. But God's plan is best for us. He has provided a way to know us and for us to know him. He has provided a way for us to spend eternity with him one day. He's at work in us. He loves us. He's with us. He will carry us through all the challenges and difficulties that come our way. 
as we continue to follow him by faith in this fallen world. Things won't always work out the way we desire. Life isn't always fair. We know this, understand this scripture is clear, it's honest. And yet we know God is with us. And there's nothing that is impossible with God. And then we continue and read, as Luke wrote in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it, be, may it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. Now we could certainly park for the rest of this time and other sermons on this one verse. On these five words, I am the Lord's servant. Mary responded to Gabriel. Mary responded to God's message and plan for her, spoken to her through Gabriel by her faith in God. I'm the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. May it happen just as you say. May God do exactly what God is saying he is going to do in me, through me, and for me. Then the angel left her. Gabriel left Mary as he delivered the message to Mary. Greetings, highly favored. As he then walked that message out, explaining to Mary all the reasons why she could be glad, why she could rejoice, explaining God's plan for her, explaining and including part of God's plan for her relative Elizabeth in Gabriel's message to Mary about God's plan for her. Then Gabriel left her. And so let's take just a few moments, and I want us to identify uh, some points that can help us uh, as we walk out our faith in God on a day-by-day basis from Mary's example of faith. What are some things that we can take from Mary's example that can help us today, that can help us this week as we continue growing in our faith in God, as we continue walking by faith in God, but also as we continue ministering to those that God is going to place around us today and this week. Let's look at a few points. The first point is this. Faith is taking God at his word. Faith is taking God at his word. Notice in this passage, Mary did not ask Gabriel a lot of questions. She didn't debate with Gabriel she didn't doubt Gabriel's message. She didn't say, hey, Gabe, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to write a sign in the sky for me. I need, to put, I need you to put this message in neon lights for me so that I can know that I can know that I can know that what you're saying is true, that what I'm hearing is right, and that what you're telling me is actually going to happen. No, Mary responded to Gabriel's words by taking God at his word. Mary believed God would do what he said he would do for her and with her and through her as Gabriel shared the message. We see this in verse 45. If you jump down to verse 45, Mary has gone to see Elizabeth, and as they're greeting one another, as they're beginning the conversation with one another, this is what Elizabeth shared. She shared, blessed is she, referring to Mary, blessed is she, blessed is Mary who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. Mary believed God. Mary took God at his word. Mary believed that nothing is impossible with God. She believed those words. And so we understand and realize this is our challenge today. Faith is taking God at his word. Faith is believing God. And there's nothing wrong with asking God questions. I want to make this 
clarifying point here. There's nothing wrong with asking God questions. Mary asked a question about how she would conceive. Mary asked a question about how she would conceive, how she would become pregnant in this passage. Mary was seeking understanding so she could obey God. Mary was just seeking understanding so she could obey God. Zechariah, earlier in chapter 1, asked a question about how he and Elizabeth could conceive. Zechariah was seeking answers to convince him to believe in God. So there's a difference. Like Zechariah, we must be careful. We must avoid asking God questions out of unbelief in God. We must be careful about asking God to convince us, to prove to us what he's saying so that it will be enough to convince us to believe in him. We must be careful asking God questions based out of our unbelief because of our wisdom we can't understand and we can't believe or see or based on the difficulty of our circumstances. You see, we can believe in God. We can take God at his word when he speaks to us by his Holy Spirit in us through the truth of his word, through our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. We can certainly believe in God when he speaks to us because our God is a faithful and trustworthy God. We can believe God because we know God's ways are higher than our ways. We can believe God because we know God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We can believe God because we know God has an amazing plan for us. We can believe God because we know God is with us. We can believe God when he speaks to us because we know God will fulfill his plan for us. We can believe God when he speaks to us because we know and understand nothing is impossible with God. We've seen that in the testimony of his word. Nothing is impossible with God. That's the message that we see proclaimed from cover to cover, Old Testament and New Testament. Nothing is impossible with God. With man, things are impossible. Not with God, for nothing is impossible with God. We know this. We understand this. And so when God speaks to us, we can take him at his word. Faith that we see here in Mary's life, faith that will encourage us today and this week, reminds us that we need to take God at his word. We need to believe God as he speaks to us. The second point we see in Mary's testimony is faith is walking in obedience to God. Mary put her faith in God by her obedience to God. She put her faith in God by her obedience to God. As Mary obeyed God, she saw the power of God at work in her life. Mary believed what God said to her through Gabriel, and Mary walked in obedience to God. We see in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18, a testimony of this. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Mary believed God would do exactly what he told her through Gabriel, and that's exactly what happened. So I want you to see under this second point, three quick subpoints. If you're taking notes, write these three points down. These are true here in this passage or true for you and me today. Three points. Number one, what God says, God does. What God says, God does. 
I want you to notice in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 31 together. We're going to start with verse 31 in Luke chapter 1. I want you to notice how many times the word will is used by Gabriel in this dialogue between Gabriel and Mary. I want you to notice how many times. Remember, God, what God says, God does. Look at verse 31. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Each time we hit will, let's say that one word together out loud. Verse 32, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she was conceived in her old age and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless for nothing will be impossible with God. Eleven times in five verses, the angel Gabriel used the word will. Eleven times. This will happen, this will happen, this will happen, this will happen. What God says what God, is what God does. Will speaks to the certain fulfillment of God's plan for Mary. The angel was sharing this message in this passage because he understood and realized it was going to require faith. Mary is going to have to respond to this message by faith. Faith includes taking God at his word. Faith includes walking in obedience to God. What God says, God does. The second point, what God says to us, God does for us. So what God says to you, God does for you. What God says to me, God does for me. And then the third point is what God says to us is best for us. What God says to us is best for us. It was best for Mary. It's also best for us. Whatever it is God says to us, it's best for us. And so we understand as well, we demonstrate our faith in God by our obedience to God. You and I demonstrate our faith in God by our obedience to God. It's easy to say, I believe you, God. It's a whole different thing to say, I believe you, God, and now I'm going to walk out in obedience, showing and demonstrating that faith that I have in you. Faith in God leads to obedience to God. Obedience to God leads to faith in God. They're traveling companions. They go hand in hand. And we demonstrate our faith in God by our obedience to God. We see this in Mary's testimony. God is at work in us, and God will fulfill his plan for us as well. I love what Paul said in Philippians 1 and verse 6. Paul said, I am sure of this, I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He will. God is at work in you as a follower of Jesus Christ, and God will complete and finish his work in you. And so we see this amazing blessing. Faith is believing in God. Faith is walking in obedience to God. It's like the words of the old hymn, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And so we see the vital importance of faith. Great reminders, words of encouragement for you and me today this week as we continue living out our faith and trust in Christ Jesus. Faith, the third point we see here is faith is telling others about God. 
faith is not just believing in God and walking in obedience to God. As we believe in God and walk in obedience to God, faith is also telling others about God. We see in Luke chapter 1, once Gabriel left Mary, it says, then the angel left her. Very next verse, we see, in those days, Mary set out in a hurry to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. As soon as Gabriel left Mary, Mary went, took off, and she went to see Elizabeth. Makes sense to us. Totally understandable. She was excited to see Elizabeth. She was excited about being able to tell Elizabeth what God had spoken to her through the angel Gabriel. She couldn't wait to tell Elizabeth about God's plan for her. Mary was excited about God's news for her, for Mary, but Mary was also excited about God's news for Elizabeth. She couldn't wait to get there. What Mary understood is this, faith in God is exciting. Faith in God is exciting, amen? I hope you would testify and say the same thing, that faith in God is exciting for you as a follower of Christ, as a child of God. Faith in God is exciting because nothing's impossible with God. Faith in God is an amazing roller coaster ride of excitement and every kind of emotion you can imagine. And some you don't even know are there, but you'll find out they are. It's amazing. Faith in God, as children of God, gives us a front row seat to watch God work. We get to see God do what only God can do in us, through us, around us, and for us. And that is exciting. Mary, at a front row seat to all that God was going to do around her later on. After the birth and after everybody's coming to see Jesus, the scripture says that Mary just treasured all these things in her heart. She just soaked it in, overwhelmed by God's power at work in her life. That's why faith in God is so exciting. There are times when we face challenges, times when we face difficulties, times when we're going through struggles. And we understand and realize it's, it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get down. It's difficult to see God's hand. It's difficult to believe that God's at work. It's difficult to believe even at times that God wants what's best for us and that God's doing what's best for us because according to us as we see it, it just doesn't look that way. But we know and understand by our faith in God that it is, that God is with us. He, is love, he does love us. His work is best for us. He's not going to leave us or fail us or forsake us. And we begin to understand those realities. We walk in our faith and trust in Christ Jesus. And then we begin, even in the challenging times, to be able to understand and realize how exciting it is to have that relationship with God because he's at work all around us. He's constantly speaking to us. And we have an opportunity to respond to him, our faith and trust in him. You see, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are witnesses for Christ. We're witnesses for Jesus. We get to hurry and go quickly and tell others about what God's doing in us and for us and through us. We get to hurry and go quickly and tell others the good news about Jesus. As Jesus shared with his followers shortly before ascending into heaven, for you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
We are witnesses for God by the power of God, for the glory of God. And walking by faith in God includes, even in the challenging times, in the mountaintops and the valleys and every step in between, as we believe in God, as we obey God, we are able to tell others about God and what he has done, what he is doing, and what he is yet to do, and what he can do for them. And then we also see a fourth point is faith is giving praise to God. Mary praised God for his greatness. Mary praised God for his plan for her. Mary praised God for his amazing grace, favor, and kindness on her. And Mary turned the focus totally on God in this passage. Look in chapter 1, beginning in verse 46. Mary broke forth in this song of praise. And as she shared these words of praise, she turned all the glory, all the spotlight, she put the, the, the focus on the greatness of God. Luke recorded Mary's words, and Mary said, My soul praises the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, because the mighty one has done great things for me, and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation to those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. Mary gave praise to God. She gave all the glory to God. As we see in this passage, Mary gave all glory to God for what was going on in her life. Praise is simply giving glory to God. Praise is giving glory to God. It's declaring God's worth. We, too, today can certainly praise God for his greatness. We can praise God for his plan for us. We can praise God for his work in us. We can praise God for his love for us. We can praise God for his amazing grace, favor, and kindness on us. We can praise God for his power in us. We can praise God for his salvation of us. We can praise God. We can give God all our glory because he is worthy of all of our praise. Almighty God is worthy of our praise. As the psalmist says, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Living out our faith and trust in Christ Jesus includes giving praise to God. It is our joy and privilege to believe in God by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. It's our joy and privilege to have a relationship with God by faith in the Son of God, Jesus. It's our joy, privilege, and responsibility to walk in obedience to God. It's our joy, privilege, and responsibility to tell others about God. And it is our joy, privilege, and responsibility to give praise to God, to give God the glory for all the great things he has done, is doing, and is yet to do. As the scripture tells us, through Jesus, 
Let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team is going to come and lead in this time of response to the Father. This invitation time is a time where we respond to God. We have praised God through song and declared his glory through song. We have listened to God speak to us by the power of his Holy Spirit in us through the teaching of his word. And now we worship God by our response to God. Mary responded to God and we've identified and walked through her response to God. His word spoken to her through the angel Gabriel. And Mary's response was one of amazing faith and obedience and trust. And so I want to encourage each of us as followers of Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, let's respond to God in a similar way with faith in God, obedience to God, trusting in God right where he has us, whatever it is that's going on in us, whatever's happening around us, trusting in him. And even getting to the point where we can give our praise to him. The altar is open as it always is. Our pastors, our ministers will be standing up here at the front. They would love to pray with you, pray for you. If you have a need, a care concern, they would love to pray with you. Love to encourage you in any way. But let me also just share for those who are here in person, those who may be streaming online. If you've not yet received the gift of salvation, the gift of love and life that God has extended to you, the greatest gift that's ever been given, the gift of love and life in His Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, then why not today, why not here, why not right now? As we've shared, this gift that God gave to us years ago was His own Son coming to earth, taking on flesh to rescue us from our sins. Jesus was tempted just like we're tempted Yet Jesus never sinned. Jesus died a perfect death on the cross of Calvary. He met God's demand for a perfect and righteous sacrifice to be made so that we who are imperfect and unrighteous could be made with a, right with a perfect and righteous God. It had to be through the perfect and righteous sacrifice of his son, our Savior, Jesus. Jesus was buried in the tomb and he rose again on the third day victorious over sin and death for you and me. He is alive today and he is the way for us to enter a relationship with God. There is no other way to enter a relationship with God. There is no other way to receive forgiveness of sin than by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. Our pastors would love to help you make that decision. You can make that decision right there where you're seated, here in person or at home by just simply crying out to God, telling God that you understand and realize that you're a sinner and that your sin separates you from him and that you need a savior to bring you to him and that you believe Jesus is your savior, that he died in your place. He paid the price for your sin on the cross of Calvary, that he rose again. He's alive today and he wants a relationship with you. And you just simply as best as you know how, confess your sin to God. You repent, you turn from living your way, you turn in humility to live God's way, confessing those sins to God and just receive Jesus in your life. Be your Savior and Lord. And he will begin his radical transformation work in your life. In these moments, by his grace, 
for your faith in Christ Jesus. Let's stand and let's respond in obedience to God this morning.